Kim, Marlon, thank you for joining me here today. Thanks for having us. Hello, David. And so with uh, just to begin with, I'd like to kind of uh, start with this question about uh, that's personal to, to both of you. Um, tell our audience a little bit about who you are and uh, kind of focusing, uh, if you would also talk about uh, why uh, you kind of focused your lives on sustainability. So my name is uh, Kim Kreiner Ritchie. I'm the sustainability and food systems analyst in the Lawrence Douglas County Sustainability Office. I've been with the county about a year and a half now. I come um, come to working for sustainability for local government from higher ed. I have uh, worked in higher ed sustainability offices in that realm for about uh, 10 years before coming to government and found that really rewarding at the time for you know, what my scope of, of impact was, you know, all of these, these learning minds in a university or community college level who are, um, you know, trying to figure out what their next step is going to be after leaving school and the opportunity to infuse sustainability um, values into whatever that would be, because uh, you can bring sustainability to your work without actually doing sustainability work um, because it, you know, it, there's implications uh, for sustainability and resilience in everything that we do. So that is, that's where I come from. And now um, I'm really happy to be working in um, more in the community, in the, in the local government realm. Um, it's really enabled me to make a lot of connections um, with partners um, working at all levels of sustainability and food um, and is uh, just find it really rewarding. Great. Thank you. Uh, and Marlon. So my name is Marlon Bates. I'm the County Extension Director for K-State Research and Extension Douglas County. I've been in that role for about four years. Before that, I was a horticulture agent with K-State Research and Extension here in Douglas County, where I worked a lot with fresh fruit and vegetable farmers. In both of these roles, I do a lot of work in um, building and enhancing our local and regional food system. Prior to working at K-State, I was a University of Missouri Extension Specialist doing very much the same thing. So I've got about 13 years of working in the cooperative extension system, really dedicated to uh, furthering the uh, development of our, our local and regional food systems, sort of in the Kansas City and Northeast Kansas areas. Um, you know, my background is in horticulture. So, like I said, working with fresh fruit and vegetable farmers is uh, something that I, I started my career in and then really kind of started working more on the, you know, what are the community wide issues related to food systems and kind of thinking about food systems more broadly, as opposed to just thinking about the production side of uh, of our food system. So that includes, you know, really every element in uh, the food value chain, certainly including the production piece, uh, but going all the way through uh, to the end user and, and even with the work with the Douglas County Food Policy Council, um, looking at food waste as well. So I was the chair of the Douglas County Food Policy Council in 2016 and 17, whenever we uh, launched a, a large community input project to develop a food system plan for our community. That was a plan that was adopted by the city and the county uh, in 2018. And so the, the work of the Food Policy Council uh, continues to be very oriented toward the furtherance of the goals that were established in that food system plan. Uh, and that food system plan is... Um, you know, in a part of uh, Plan 2040, which is the our community's comprehensive land use and development plan. And so we're thrilled that we have uh, a community that's willing to embrace 
food systems as, as much as, as we do here in, in Lawrence and Douglas County, uh, because it affords us the opportunity to think really creatively about, you know, what are the things that the policies in our local governments uh, can influence as it relates to the economic well-being of, of our agricultural producers, the preservation of our agricultural heritage, uh, the access and equity issues that exist within food systems and then being uh, progressive enough to think through, you know, what are we doing about food waste and, and are there better ways to um, to handle that particular issue? Great. Yeah. And, and I have a few questions about the food system plan. But before we get to to that one, kind of want to ask a, a basic question. I think many people, when when they read or hear the word sustainability, their intuitions are typically that it's a good thing, and it is. But I'm curious too as to uh, what does what do we mean by sustainability, uh, broadly speaking, and then in the particular context of e- economic prosperity within a community. Or put it another way, what is it exactly we're sustaining? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, so when I uh, used to talk to students at my um, in my um, education um, background, is that we're trying to sustain our way of life, right? Um, high quality life for as many people as possible, not just some people, um, you know, having a high quality of life, people being able to meet their needs for the longest amount of time. Um, it's not, we're not talking about necessarily sustaining like species, although that's part of it. Biodiversity is very important. And of course, environment, the environmental, environmental health affects us. Um, but, but it really, I mean, sustainability is really kind of an anthropocentric, um, concept. I mean, we're, we're trying to sustain, our our best way of life, um, not just survive uh, and um, understand that we are connected to the environment and the decisions that, um, you know, anything that we do within our sphere, um, you know, trickles out to that. And then any, any impacts we have um, outside of our social systems within the environment are going to ripple back and affect us too. So, um, yeah, so it all comes down to humans, really. Okay, good. Yeah. And I'm not sure if you had uh, anything to say about that, Marlon, your own sort of approach to that. So sustainability isn't necessarily a named part of the mission of K-State Research and Extension, but is very much embedded in uh, the, the activities that we do and uh, and really, you know, an undertone in our stated mission, which is uh, that we are dedicated to a safe, sustainable and competitive food and fiber system. Um and that's one that is there to enhance strong, healthy communities, families, youth. And we do that through uh, integrated research analysis and education. So really our goal at the local extension office, you know, we are we are here in Douglas County, one of 105 local uh, extension offices, one in every county in the state of Kansas. Our goal here is to certainly uh, draw down the resources from the land grant university of the Kansas State University uh, and, and do that in a way that addresses local needs, you know, so we have a mechanism in place for ensuring that we've got uh, community representation in our governance so that we know what those needs are. And so in that way, uh, there is, you know, very much a a sustainability component to the work that we do. Um, Obviously, within each of uh, our programmatic areas, we have a lot of focus on sustainability, certainly on on economics, uh, on environmental and and on society. So um, it's, it's not necessarily stated explicitly, 
but it's very much implicit in the work that we do. I'm also interested in this uh, general question about methodology and what goes into your decision making and 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 putting recommendations together. What sort of data or or things are that are, uh, what sort of things are important for you to gather in order to make your recommendations to the city? So I can you know, speak to a little bit of the development of the food system plan, but I also think it's really relevant to talk about the, the Lawrence strategic plan that's in development right now and how we are working with, with partners and using existing plans to, to feed into that so that our future plans align with those that have already been adopted and that we know come from the community. Um, so the, as Marlon already mentioned, uh, when the food system plan was developed in 2016 uh, through 2017, um, there was a really comprehensive community engagement process um, to make sure that those goals came from the community and, and, you know, not just a board of 23 or 16 people who had a lot of good ideas and expertise, but that it was, you know, coming from lived experience and the experience of our partners um, within the community. So that's just speaking a little bit to how, you know, those, those concepts and strategies came um, to be in the food system plan. I would say one of the functions of the Food Policy Council as an advisory body to both the city of Lawrence and Douglas County government is to sort of serve in a multifaceted way. One is, and we've seen, you know, sort of all of these in, in good action in the years that I've been uh, involved in the council, which is since 2014. One is to serve as a platform for sort of uh, issues to be brought to uh, the eye of, of those uh, governing bodies. And so, you know, the work of the Food Policy Council, the conversations that uh, that we host or the, the regular meetings that we have, uh, public open meetings are opportunities for residents of uh, Lawrence and Douglas County to, to come and, and not just hear, you know, the work that we're doing and the the, the bits of the food system plan that we're attempting to buy it off and and uh, and work towards, but also for them to to kind of air their grievances. And so where constituents find issues within the food system that they think could uh, be improved upon, the food system, uh, I'm sorry, the Food Policy Council is a wonderful uh, venue to to bring those issues to uh, to light. And so um, there, there are numerous instances where that has been the case and that has led to, you know, conversations with city staff or uh, county staff to, to kind of like figure out like what would a potential resolution to this issue be. Uh, we've worked with the planning commission and city commission, county commission, uh, planners, zoning codes, you know, name a department. And, and we've got uh, relationships there because of the connection that Kim provides for the food policy council to city government and county government. So that's one way uh, that we sort of enact democracy within the food system. Another way is, is for us to, to, do the sort of work that we did in uh, the development of the food system plan. And I may have misspoke earlier. It was adopted in 2017. I think I may have said 2018. You know, I think one of the one of the ways that we kind of figured out what elements ought to be in that plan was through this robust community engagement process. So we we hosted uh, I think it was 13 or 14 different focus groups. We had uh, an online survey and we did community forums. Uh, we engaged a lot of people. And, and in addition to that, we uh, we employed folks to um, 
you know, become embedded in underrepresented audiences so that we could make sure that the voices of, of unheard uh, populations were a part of uh, the development of that plan. And so in this plan, you'll find talking points from really any constituency within the community. And I think that's one of the things that the commissioners really appreciated whenever they saw this plan in place. And that's, I think, one of the reasons they were willing to, to get behind it as, as quickly and, and as wholly as they did. So there are elements that are in there that we uh, we certainly identify as priorities on a regular basis. We, we visit, if not at least once a year, uh, multiple times a year within our working groups uh, to figure out what are those things that we are interested in in working on? Uh, where is their political will? Where are their funding opportunities for us to uh, bring in consultants or other third parties who might help us really ferret out the issue and potential solutions? And so there's a lot of work that, uh, that maybe goes on behind the scenes that the Food Policy Council, I think, is really adept at performing. And in any and all of those cases, uh, public input is uh, always a, a top priority. So we don't we don't see ourselves as solution uh, creators, uh, but in, instead maybe more facilitators of the public input process so that when our decision makers are uh, confronted with, um, you know, decisions that they have to make, uh, they can have some confidence that it's not uh, just a small representation of the community whose input has influenced those decisions. And I'll give you, I can give you an example, putting together some of what Marlon just described um, in terms of the community bringing an issue to the table and the Food Policy Council um, seeking funding, bringing it to the community and then elevating it to planning process. And that um, a good example of that is the um, location of the downtown Lawrence Farmers Market um, or rather lack of permanent location for that. They came to the Food Policy Council, their board came to the Food Policy Council in 2015 and said, you know, this annual lease for this location which is not quite ideal in many ways anyway, um, is problematic because we can't, we're finding ourselves sometimes not being able to properly plan for our season because we don't have a signed lease yet. And recognizing that there are issues like drainage on the site, electricity availability, um, parking, and, you know, started to talk to them about what an ideal site would look like. Um, and then we're able to apply for a grant through Douglas County or rather Douglas County on behalf of the Food Policy Council applied for a grant to bring in a consultant, just like um, Marlon just mentioned, to do a study about what would strengthen the farmers markets of Douglas County, um, including that Lawrence Farmers Market. Um, that report we were able to then take to the public, share with the public, take to our, you know, elevate to staff and officials to say this is what we, this is the asset that the farmers market brings to our community in terms of economic development and cultural, um, you know, heritage, and um, this is what it needs to be its best. And so then we're able to, you know, get that in the hands of planners and decision makers. And when the downtown master planning process began, the farmers market was on the list, um, and you know we have we participated in those public feedback sessions and made sure that the farmer's market um, continued to be part of the conversation so that when we um, get to uh, what that plan is going to be, um, we will recognize the, the community asset that the farmer's market is to Lawrence and that should be part of that plan. Um, so just to give you um, an idea of what that might look like, you know, illustrated um, as, as uh, Marlon described. Right. Yeah. I, I think, uh, and Obviously, I'm sure people are kind of tired of talking about the pandemic at the moment. Um, but there, there's uh, you brought up the farmers market, and that seems to be uh, 
I, I imagine that it, well, it has been greatly affected by by the pandemic. What are the sort of uh, plans, initial plans, or if there are if, uh, if there are any, and and re uh, and starting that back up again um, as we hope that uh, the sort of pandemic gets to a stage where we can all kind of meet in, in public again and 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 uh, enjoy the sort of uh, the the uh, produce of, of our local farmers. They're opening this Saturday. Is that correct, Marlon? Awesome. Yeah, I thought so. Yeah, the downtown Lawrence Farmers Market is opening tomorrow on the 10th of April. So, um, and, and quite frankly, they, they were uh, probably the best um, example that I'm aware of in adapting to the pandemic last year. So creating opportunities for consumers to still connect with those producers. And, and you know, quite frankly, what we saw last year during the pandemic uh, was disruptions in the global food supply chain that um, the really enhanced demand for local production. And uh, and that's across the board. You know, we, we saw Facebook groups pop up in Kansas and across the Midwest, across the country that really were aimed at, okay, so now there are problems at the, the normal retail outlets where you secure your foods uh here here are some options for connecting with local producers and and as a result you know between that and uh you know the federal government assistance in um uh, increasing the the amount of food that was being channeled to uh people who are food insecure we saw you know you know good and sustained and and often enhanced growth in uh in our demand for local foods I would say if anybody is interested in learning more about how to connect with agricultural producers through direct to market, uh, direct to consumer marketplaces, uh, one of the the projects that came from um, our our work at the Food Policy Council with farmers markets was a um, collaboration among all the farmers markets here in Douglas County. So you can go to FM Douglas County or FM Call Valley. Uh, Dot com. So that's fmcawvalley.com. And that will take you to a, um, a unmistakably Lawrence website where you'll find anything you need to know about our local farmers markets when they're open, where they're located, uh, and how to connect to them, what events they've got going on any particular market day. There's a lot of opportunity uh, beyond farmers markets in addition to that. So one of the things that the Food Policy Council has done just over the course of the last couple of years is work to um, enhance the um, policies that the county has on agritourism and to kind of create a, a more um, welcoming environment for agritourism operations in, in the countryside here in our community. And so we, ha we have a robust uh, sector in agritourism, opportunities for folks to go out uh, to, to the farm uh, to, to secure local foods, but also to experience that more agrarian lifestyle. Um, and in addition to that, we here at K-State Research and Extension host a uh, two-day farm tour, which usually hosts over 30 different farms that are open uh, that first full weekend in October, where, you know, several thousand uh, residents from not just Douglas County, but all, all across the, uh, the Call Valley uh, visit those 30, 35 farms and, and get to have that experience, get to make those connections with agricultural producers and learn a little bit more about where their food comes from. 
Great. So if, I, if I'm understanding correctly, there was actually an, an increase in interest in local produce uh, since the p- pandemic and for the myriad of reasons that you provided. Is there a possible con- maybe concern or, or uh, ways that we want to uh, maintain that interest uh, post pandemic and post sort of uh, maybe whenever, I guess, the global production is actually able to go back up? Is there is there a worry that that might affect negatively affect what's been going on since the pandemic? That's a great question, David. I think, you know, anytime there are disruptions in the global supply chain, it's not that it can't bounce back. Right. So I think what we saw when meat processing facilities weren't able to, to uh, do their work at full capacity, we saw decreases in supply of meat products and, and that increased the uh, the prices of those products. And so those all of a sudden were a little less attainable, but also, you know, what, what that showed folks was that there, uh, there are opportunities for us to, to use our dollars, uh, with our, our food budget to, to make votes on really where, where we want to throw that support. So knowing that those dollars are going, uh, to a local farmer is, is something that people got the experience of a little more than they did probably in the past. And, and so, you know, it all opened an opportunity to expose uh, Kansas consumers to, you know, what what it feels like to participate in some of those uh, more direct-to-consumer transactions. And we hope that it was a delightful enough experience uh, for those consumers that they do maintain some appetite. One of the, uh, I think, wonderful opportunities that uh, was drawn up from that farmer's market study that Kim was referencing was this idea of not just increasing the number of people who participate in those transactions, but increase the amount of money they spend in those transactions. And so that's one thing that uh, ultimate goal, uh, but in order to achieve that, you really have to increase exposure. And so I don't think we're looking at uh, the pandemic as, as uh, you know, the sort of uptick that really requires you know, public policy to sustain so much as it is a necessary component in increasing demand because folks had the opportunity to to experience it and uh, and hopefully had a satisfactory experience with it. And so and, and now I can, um, you know, move uh, our discussion towards the survey that's currently up that you've currently opened. And uh, and it's a more general, from my understanding, it's a more general survey about this sort of uh, future economic prospects of uh, the city, of City of Lawrence. What led to, uh, it, well, if there's uh, is more a question, if there's anything more specific uh, or particular that led to the posting of the survey, what are the primary uh, goals of the survey and how do you hope to incorporate uh, the feedback into, into specific action plans? David, one of my roles as uh, the director of K-State Research and Extension, Douglas, County is to also serve alongside my colleagues across the state who also sort of hold a a responsibility in community development, community and economic development extension programming. I had the opportunity to sit in uh, on a presentation by a gentleman from the Kansas Department of Agriculture uh, a couple of years ago as he was describing uh, the KDA's strategic growth initiative, which is really the the department's process for securing information from uh, communities across Kansas about uh, the desirability and suitability of particular interests among communities within sectors of the agricultural industry. The ultimate goal here is, of course, to grow the agricultural industry of Kansas. We know that it, it 
represents about 40% of the entire Kansas economy. Um, so really one of the things that the KDA states is in order for the Kansas economy to grow, Kansas agriculture needs to grow. And so you might imagine that a function of the Department of Agriculture, as well as a function of the Kansas Department of Commerce is to recruit and attract businesses to the state of Kansas. And so one of the things that the Department of Agriculture is attempting to accomplish with their strategic growth initiative is really just to ascertain, you know, what sorts of businesses ought we be, should we be attracting? And when we attract them, where should we be directing them? And so that was the the impetus for uh, for us to sort of take this work here in Douglas County. And so I presented the opportunity to the working group that I work with within the Food Policy Council, which is really geared on uh, economic development and natural resource preservation. And we decided that it would be a, a wonderful project. So uh, like like what we said earlier, one of the things that we started to do was figure out, all right, what are the focus groups we're going to host and, and how are we going to gather public input uh, to go into this report? And so we held a couple of focus groups uh, before the pandemic in, in early 2020. And, uh, and and have just now gotten around to where we're getting public input through that Lawrence Listens survey uh, that will be open for just a, a little bit longer. The idea here is obviously we, we just want to get the sense from Douglas County residents about what they feel about our food system. Is it accessible? Is it uh, is it? conducive to uh, robust economic activity and uh, and our, our folks getting what they want out of it. And what are those sectors within the agricultural industry that we really want to grow here in Douglas County? Certainly one of the things we want to accomplish here is a response to the Department of Agriculture's strategic growth initiative. We want to tell them when you get companies who are attempting to uh, uh, court the state of Kansas, um, here are the ones that, that we might be interested in, or here are the sectors within the, uh, the ag economy that we, we have prioritized here in Douglas County so that um, when there's alignment there, they can make that connection and maybe we can have those conversations. There's other utility of this project though, too. I think it's very useful for the Douglas County Food Policy Council to have this information so that we know what the sentiment of uh, the public is uh, as we do the work that we do in fulfillment of the food system plan. Uh, and it's also good for our elected officials to have this uh, information so that they're aware. It's also really good for our economic development professionals to know uh, really what's the, the desirability of, uh, of those sectors within the ag economy. And so they have the opportunity to align those with uh, the suitability. So do we have the workforce for this or do we have the infrastructure for that? And so I think there are many different benefits that will come from this project, uh, but it starts with getting a sense from the public uh, what, what they think the priorities ought to be in our agricultural economy. I think you mentioned some of the questions or in, in, in the general questions uh, that the survey asks. Uh, could you speak a little bit more to, I guess, more directly to those, the sort of questions that, that folks will be kind of asked and uh, to, to respond to? Sure. So, um, so the bulk of the questions are, are really on a scale of agree to disagree. And so they're asking, um, you know, Marlon mentioned accessibility. So everything from in Douglas County, can you find um, the local foods you're looking for? Are they priced reasonably to, you know, 
Farming is promoted as a career in Douglas County. Agriculture is supported by elected officials in Douglas County. Uh, farmers can find the skilled workers that they need, access to um, to machinery they need, and uh, and you know then also just at, and then attitudes about different types of agriculture, not specifically, but are you know do we find that agriculture is split into two kind of groups of big and small, um, and so they're you know, we're so. With those types of questions, getting a sense of, you know, the kind of like what Marlon mentioned in terms of what's the community perception of these types of topics. And so those are the types of things that will be valuable to to see, um, you know, that people really don't think that farming is an accessible career because it's not talked about. For example, um, you know, those are the, um, would be valuable to, to help build in where where we see gaps. Additionally, there's some open-ended questions that um, just ask, you know, what do you want to see um, in the future of agriculture in Douglas County? What do you not want to see in the future of agriculture in Douglas County? And so those will be kind of the interesting ones to, to decipher and dig into, um, but could give us some really insightful information. I agree with that. I think there's a great mix of, you know, our our attempt to gather quantitative data as well as qualitative data. Those open-ended questions um, are are really meant to kind of get at the the heartstrings of the the public here in Douglas County like what what are those priorities is it you know reasonable uh, from your perspective that you know ag and and related businesses can thrive here uh, there there are um, just kind of looking at preliminary results some some wonderful uh, contributions that have been made by the public to those questions um, and and we also ask them where you know what what representation do they sort of bring first and foremost to the food system so are they a, an agricultural producer are they a consumer are they you know I think we have you know about a dozen different things listed there that you could pick. I would encourage folks uh, to to take this survey or to take a look at the the resulting uh, report, uh, just because I, I think there's there's going to be some some good light shined on uh, the the desirability. You know, like what Kim said, what what do we want our uh, agricultural economy to look like here? Where should um, additional investments be made? Uh, what kind of recruiting should we be really focused on? And and then kind of also counter to that, you know, what do we not want? And so what, what should we, uh, you know, avoid uh, bringing more of to uh, to the community? So having the community's input on this is is critical. It's not the thing that, that anybody at the Food Policy Council ever thought that, that we could do alone. So uh, that's that's that democracy piece. And I think we we hold that very near and dear. So we want you to participate. We hope that you'll participate and we hope that you enjoy participating. I kind of wanted to uh, sort of highlight the sort of survey this is that, or that you, that you mentioned that uh, the sort of questions are being asked here in part, because I I think it's uh, I believe it was, it may have been intentional as to why you went with uh, degree of agreement and disagreement versus something a little bit more like yes or no, or agree or disagree. Could you speak to to that process of like why it's important to go uh, with degree of, of agreement or disagreement rather than these more condensed answer options? Well, the world's not quite uh, as black and white between yes and no, David. And so I think the the, the fact of the matter is you, in a lot of these uh, questions, you, you're not necessarily uh, on one side of the fence or the other. Um, 
one thing we did steer away from was was offering the um, sort of cannot decide, but there's a neutral option in, in most of those uh, quantitative questions. And so there are, there are, you know, certainly folks who have chosen that, like they're not, maybe that's the, we're not so sure uh, sort of response or, um, or indifferent, you know, maybe a, diff- a different way to say that. It's 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 only four options, you know, strongly agree, agree, disagree, strongly disagree that um, that we're attempting to ascertain here. Uh, I think, you know, we've we've seen similar studies. We kind of built ours off of uh, something that happened in the Finger Lakes a few years ago uh, in New York. And and I think they, they had you know, a lot longer list of options uh, for folks to choose. And so we we pared that down because we understand that there may be some strong disagreement uh, that could be um differentiated from from general disagreement and so we wanted to uh, afford folks the opportunity to make those decisions we do see you know in preliminary results some central tendencies uh, so there's there's a little less of the uh, participation on the, the tail ends the strong disagreeing and the strongly agreeing on most of these questions so i think we're generally still being able to to kind of decisively figure out which side of the fence folks are on and allowing for folks to to be able to set, straddle that that fence as well um but where there is you know strong feelings we're we're also able to ascertain that yeah no i i i actually like that sort of uh approach to to doing surveys in in any sense because it it yeah you're you're both right as you both mentioned that the world's now uh, black and white. And most people probably don't uh, sort of agree or disagree with anything as strongly as would uh, a, a, uh, a different survey might try to present. Like it, it, the degrees at least allows them to show just how much they agree or disagree. It's never quite a, like always 100% or, or no percent one way or the other. So yeah, I, I just wanted to sort of highlight that aspect of why that's important to take into consideration. This uh, question I have about um, this other sort of initiative that that the Food Council has, and that's the Urban Agricultural Initiative. Um, so I was wondering if you if you could kind of speak to exactly what that what that entails. What what I think we can look at the words of of the initiative and kind of get a sense of what that might mean. But uh, specifically in more detail, what what does that initiative entail for uh, Lawrence? So this. Urban agriculture example, uh, the policy work that was done at the city of Lawrence uh, is a good example of how a constituent was uh, able to bring an issue to the Food Policy Council. And uh, and we had discussions at the council level. We had discussions at the work group level. Our staff had discussions with um, planners who are folks who are you know writing policy for consideration by the planning commission. And uh, we, you know, launched a, a little bit of a research campaign to see what other communities across the country are doing. Similar communities or really any community that had uh, pursued policies specific to uh, urban agriculture and not necessarily just commercial urban agriculture, but uh, personal uh, gardening. So what, what we sort of call like tier zero of, of the food system where you or I may have a, a back garden or a, a fl- small flock of chickens or, or a hive of bees uh, for our own, you know, personal consumption. Um, and so, you know, that, that work was again, uh, the f- sort of first step was kind of figuring out what are we going to get? Um, how are we going to get the community's input? on this. And so again, uh, we, we hosted folks groups, we hosted town halls, uh, where folks had the opportunity to contribute their ideas. 
And then, uh, this was, you know, another one of those that just, it got sent up to the planning commission when it was at a point where it was ready for, uh, for their review, uh, got sent back to the Douglas County food policy council for revision, given the suggestions of the planning commission and went back to the planning commission. They adopted it. It went to the city commission and there were a couple of conversations at the city commission about that really at the heart of it though, David, we, we wanted to make sure that folks had the opportunity to produce their own food. Uh, and we wanted to make sure that they were able to do that in a way that didn't infringe on the rights and, and, uh, and privacy of their neighbors. Uh, what we ended up with was, uh, I think, a, a wonderful suite of uh, amendments to uh, the city code that allow for uh, a lot of uh, things that weren't explicitly um, permitted uh, by right uh, before. And so... You know, if, if you wanted to learn a little bit more about that, there are some materials that we've created that allow for a really easy consumption of the, the city code language. Uh, so that was that was sort of the follow up work of the Food Policy Council was trying to figure out how do we create uh, some communications around these policy changes that are uh, relatively simple and uh, and don't require citizens to, to visit the, the you know, land use and development code uh, of the city of Lawrence. And so uh, we've got some some really good uh, materials on that front. So if you're curious about what it is you can do and what are you permitted to do by right? Uh, and then what, what would you need a permit for, uh, to do, you know, home gardening and agriculture in uh, the city limits? Uh, there are materials uh, there on the city's website. So I would just search city of Lawrence, urban agriculture. The reason that we're, we're interested in this, of course, is because it's a policy that affects the food system. Um, but that's actually work that came out before the food system plan came out. But it's still in alignment with uh, the food system plan policy 1.1.9 of the food policy. I'm sorry, the food system plan is talking about ensuring that producers can develop skills in agricultural best practices in urban and rural settings. Uh, so this is the, the segment of our food system plan that really focuses on the economy. The very first policy point in the food system plan is all about uh, maintaining currently adopted policies for food system economic development. One of the things you'll find in that suite of text amendments to the city code is the ability for you or I to uh, make for sale those products that we're uh, growing on our own property on the property. So we can set up a, a farm stand on our property within certain limitations uh, and make for sale to our neighbors, uh, those things that we're producing. And so, you know, there's certainly an economic element there. I don't think we're, we're expecting too many people to make a living off of uh, such activities, but it, it allows for folks to do it. And I think that in itself is just the sort of symbolism uh, that we really appreciate about uh, the leaders of our community, whenever they think about, you know, the importance of food to the human experience and really what they want their constituents to be able to do by right without having to, to go through a exhaustive permitting process. And, and from, uh, from our discussion so far, it is my understanding or initial sort of intuition that what you do is not uh, sort of, and I hope this doesn't make uh, either of you uncomfortable, but it, it's, it doesn't strike me as being uh, overtly political. Like you have an understanding of what uh, sort of, uh, at least in this, in a sense, like, or another way of saying it is that it's ideological, that it's, you're primarily concerned with this good or this end that, that the city has already told you that it's concerned about um, and, and, and has, 
and you're here in your job it primarily is to kind of uh to develop plans and ways to uh strengthen the goals and uh, that uh the city already has namely in this particular instance agriculture so you're just sort of trying to give people as much access to these sort of uh goals and services without really thinking about the sort of um maybe uh political ramifications or anything like that is that that's a fair question i i and I think an astute observation, when you hang your hat on the democratic process, it's it's easy to be interpreted that your activities are, are really sort of at that common good level. Um, that's not to say, though, David, that there aren't things within the food system, conversations, decisions that are that aren't, um, you know, controversial. So there, there certainly is controversy in, in the food system. And, and I think, you know, when you start talking about land use, uh, you're inevitably going to bump up against a little bit of that. And so, you know, I think one of the one of the services that our Food Policy Council provides, one of the services that K-State Research and Extension provides to our, our local governments is, you know, the convening skills necessary to to make sure that all voices are heard. And uh, and and it's important. I think one of the the most important things about that sort of convening function is that uh, you need to make sure that you're able to attract all of those audiences. You need to make sure that all those audiences are aware of what's going to happen with the input that they provide. Uh, so many times, you know, people just want to be heard. And so you have to give them the opportunity to do that and, uh, and make that well, well known. So highly publicized opportunities, uh, to, to participate and, 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 and not leave with the idea that just because it was said, it's going to be, you know, part of the policy, but instead that, you know, all of the input will be taken in aggregate and considered, um, I think that's that's the service that we're offering here. And and by virtue of, you know, our sort of um, position that we are not the decision makers, um, we can we can inform the decision makers and we can let them know what all the perspectives are of the of the consuming public. And we can do that from a, you know, a very well informed position, uh, I think, is something that a lot of folks appreciate. And so that's uh, that's a nice and refreshing thing to see. One of the ways that we accomplish that is by ensuring that we have broad representation of the food system on the Food Policy Council itself. So not just that we're uh, active in seeking the voices of the broad representation of the community whenever these uh, topics get discussed, um, you know, controversial or not, but also just that the regular meetings that we have um, where, where, you know, so much is discussed, discussed that doesn't end up on uh, a commission agenda is balanced. And so, um, you know, our forming documents really are, are the ones that cemented that. And, uh, and I think we, we still get the benefit from that. How do we handle, I guess, if if it comes to um, like the, the responses in the survey say that uh, people are kind of uh, moving away from wanting to emphasize agriculture to something else. Um, how do you handle that that sort of uh, uh, general feedback or that uh, that that result uh, is it would it be a matter of, of trying to further educate the public about why agriculture is important um, or is it is that something that is that a result you just kind of have to uh, go with 
I don't think uh, there's there's really, in, at least in the the closed questions, um, where there's you know forced choice, there's really no opportunity for for folks to to say that you know there's really no room for agriculture in Douglas County's future, right? Um, and and I don't know that we did that because we want to make sure that there is room. Uh, so much as really the intent of the survey is to to get an idea of really what the you know, the economic development priorities within that sector of our economy ought to be. Um, and, and so, you know, I think the, the thing we may run up against though, is like, so where, where is that emphasis? And, and, you know, if there's, um, really just maybe a handful of the, the 19 different sectors of the, the economy that are, are mentioned, maybe just a handful of them that are, you know, really highlighted or, or strongly favored as a, res- uh, in terms of, you know, what the future of our ag economy ought to be or where our emphasis ought to be in recruiting additional uh, businesses in, in those sectors. That doesn't mean that the uh, other sectors have no place. So I think it's an important note to make there because what, what we're not saying is what will the exclusive participation in the agricultural economy of Douglas County be in the future? The question is really, where do we really want to see growth in uh, the ag economy? In which of those sectors do we want to see growth? Uh, or the most growth, or where do we want to prioritize growth? Maybe that's the best way to say it. Uh, which, which you know, I think this is one of those places where uh, it can become contentious because if uh, if an individual were to interpret that uh, by virtue of not being included in that set of priorities or their uh, participation in a particular sector not being included in that list of priorities is some indictment of their activities, uh, then I I would say that's an incorrect interpretation. Uh, That's not the intent to say who's in the right sector of the ag economy and who's in the wrong sector of the ag economy here. Uh, That's not the intent of of this activity. Really, uh, we need uh, the agriculture that that we have. We need um, to think about the future of really what does the makeup of our economy, agricultural economy, look like within those sectors. And this is simply just one step toward that. It's not a, a, a an indictment to say that if you're not listed in the uh, short list of priorities that get funneled up to the Department of Agriculture, uh, that you're behind the times or that you're uh, you know, doomed in any way, shape or form. Uh, we still have a tremendous amount of appreciation for the agricultural economy as it is here in Douglas County. Uh, nobody has diagnosed it as something that needs to be uh, you know, completely uh, renovated in any way, shape or form. We're simply responding to uh, the state and kind of informing our, our local uh, officials in in terms of you know what's the what's the consuming public's interest in where we ought to be pouring uh, resources in in the future. I may like to have this uh, a separate conversation um, about, or we can have it now, but because but I think it it may deserve its own sort of treatment. Um, I know the city has considered uh, enacting or has already enact uh, uh, approved. Uh, policies that uh, might be in line with what, what's called the, the Green New Deal. And and so I wasn't, uh, so I have in mind to ask about how that might affect agriculture and, and uh, 
and your general approach to uh, sustainability? Yeah. So those um, those five commitments to sustainability is what we're calling them. We were it was submitted by the Sustainability Advisory Board, which is um, which is a city specific advisory board that our office does offer support for here in the sustainability office. So um, so these commitments were championed by that advisory board to take to the city commission, wanting to call it the Green New Deal, um, but we're encouraged to call it the Lawrence Commitments to Sustainability to remain a little bit more um, neutral in these in these values. And so they really align already with things that are in the food system plan. And they actually come along at a very opportune time to then align with the city strategic plan, which was already headed in that direction um, by having environmental sustainability as a commitment area. Um, so, the, so the way the strategic plan is coming together, there are six commitment areas and there are six outcome areas. The outcome is, is what do we want Lawrence to be? And the commitment is how are we going to get there? And so we have a commitment to environmental sustainability that is going to be woven into each of those outcomes. So we want to be a strong, welcoming neighborhood. What's the environmental sustainable environmentally sustainable intersection of that and embed that into each of those six areas and so we already were moving in this direction so it there's really wasn't um terribly much counter to bringing these on and just using them to reinforce the conversations happening around the strategic plan uh, and just really strengthening those alignments and so just to give you an example of of how that process is unfolding and where some of those intersections are coming i mentioned strong welcoming neighbors as one of those outcome areas. And that's one of just one of the areas we've been able to align, you know, sustainability perspectives, but also goals of the food system plan. Um, so for example, there are, there are strategies, strategies within the food system plan for food production on public land. Uh, and so environmentally sustainable land uses um, has become an approved performance indicator um, for strong welcoming neighborhoods. And that includes, you know, native plantings, stormwater management, Management, pollinator habitat and food production. Um, so we have this intersection of the food system plan um, into this sustainable commitment outcome area for for a welcoming, accessible neighborhood. Uh, another way has to, that we made an intersection in that same area um, has to do with transportation to priority destinations, including food access. So there are, you know, we realized that we, food was kind of the champion we went in with, but we realized there's other important places that we should have comfortable transportation to get to, whether it's sidewalk access or crossing access or, you know, to get to that transportation side you know, and then how long does it take to get to your priority destination? So including that in the plan that, you know, to be able to get comfortable access to the things you need in your neighborhood is also an important outcome for, for Lawrence. I, I think going through the, the city plan, the strategic plan might be something that, uh, and because the, the, you said there are various pillars and various sort of concentrations it has, that may be something we might revisit for its own sake. Um, or I think I would like to. Yeah. I mean, that might be something that people don't even know is happening right now. Um, it would be probably pretty cool to to tell everyone what it becomes and what that means for our community. Yeah, I think I think that because I've been fixated on the on the concept of uh, of the city and what how that all comes together with people's uh, sort of input and feedback and and how we determine its goals and so on and so forth. Um, so yeah, I would like to revisit that for its own sake. Uh, uh, later, uh, soon though, soon. Cause I, I think when is that taking 
rapidly. So the the perf- the performance indicators have been approved. The strategies are in in development, but it, there's an urgency around the 2022 budget development um, that the, if there's important things in there that need resource allocation, they want to start planning for that. So that's why there's some urgency for it to come together. So soon. Anytime yeah, is a yeah, good time. <laughs> okay. Follow up on, I'll definitely follow up on that one. Um, and before I uh, let you both go, what are some of the final takeaways that you, you think are important for, for the audience to kind of take away from our conversation today? I would say that we have a lot of opportunity in this community to influence public policy. The Douglas County Food Policy Council is one of many advisory bodies to the city of Lawrence um, and, and one of a, f- a few to Douglas County government. Um, and and there are you know a few things that are as far reaching as uh, food when it comes to the impact that it has on on a, a constituency. And so, you know, everybody is affected by by food and, and you may not think it, but everybody's affected by the policy that surrounds uh, how that food makes it to uh, to you. And so I would encourage you to, to visit our our food system plan. It's a, a robust, wonderful, quite frankly, um, groundbreaking document for any organization or government in, in the state of Kansas. Um and then engage the Food Policy Council. We don't pretend that we have the capacity to uh, put all the, the policy points into action. Uh, we set a goal to make meaningful progress on a lot of them in a 10-year period. Uh, but we know there are a lot of other organizations and individuals who have um, you know, the, the, the expertise, the interest uh, and, and the skills to to help us move those things forward. And so one of the things that you'll find in one of the early pages of the food system plan is an invitation for you to to become engaged, whether that be with one of the work groups of the Food Policy Council or, or with a group of neighbors. And so there's work in there. It's our work. Uh, and when I say our work, it's the, the people of Douglas County. Uh, and so it's not the, the work of the Food Policy Council necessarily. We are certainly committed to shepherding as much of that through as we can. And uh, and like I said earlier, we, we look to identify where the opportunities exist, not necessarily just the low hanging fruit, but uh, but really kind of what are the what are the issues that people are facing that, that we could most immediately affect uh, that are in alignment with that. And so I guess that's the, the biggest part of it. And then if you're not a participant in uh, the local regional food system as a consumer, uh, go to fmcallvalley.org and, and find out maybe what are those uh, really relatively easy entry points to kind of making that experience or go out to a local farm um, and, and pick some produce or, or participate in uh, the agritourism activities out there. And I think we understand the value of this to the human experience as, as well as, as anybody else. And that's why we advocate for as much of it as we do. Uh, it's, it's just a, a wonderful mechanism for human health to be as closely connected to fresh uh, local foods as, as possible, but it's also, you know, good for your mind to be connected to the earth. And so if you're not in a position in your life to, to do that, um, Agritourism is a, a good entry point for that. And then, you know, I, I guess I would I would also just say that there are opportunities for us to continue to think 
about really what's the future look like. You know, we've, we've got a list of policy points that we're interested in in putting into action soon. Um, but we also have a lot of posts that we've planted on the horizon. And, and I think um, this agricultural economic development survey and the development of agricultural economic development priorities project that we're engaged in right now is one of those that really is, is not going to have an effect on us necessarily in the short term. Uh, but, but it'll be a really good way for us to uh, kind of get a sense of the trajectory of the work in the long term. So participate in that. If you have the opportunity uh, and, and get plugged in with this work, uh, we need your passion. We need your energy. We need your uh, perspective. So uh, please, uh, if there's anything that Kim or I can do to, to help you engage, uh, that's what we're here for. We're very interested in making those connections for you. So don't, don't be quiet about uh, your interests. And I would, I would piggyback on that just a little bit to, um, to say, you know, this, this was intended as the food policy, the food system plan intended to be kind of a 10 year, um, a 10 year plan. And we're coming up on, you know, midway through that. And just as Marlon said, you know, the food policy council might be shepherds of, of some of that progress, but certainly not the only ones doing the work and carrying it out. It's a community plan. And so we have, you know, champions and partners and, and leaders agencies across the community who are also aligning with goals in here. Uh, and so one of our opportunities um, in the coming year is to comprehensively try to report on what that progress looks like. So we know that we have success stories here and there. We've mentioned some of them today, um, but to really kind of have an accessible public facing, like, here's what we've done with this plan that we're so proud of. And that would hopefully then set us up for, for an update, you know, in another four or five years that here's what we did toward this plan. What do we need to do next? Um, what was missing in the first place or what, you know, what do we need to build on? And that we'll want input on that. We'll want to do another public input on that. So I would, I would say, you know, just echo Marlin and, you know, check this out and, and see what interest you, but understand that this is, this is going to evolve too, um, in, in the coming years. Uh, and there's also just getting away from food, just a little bit back to more generally, um, community planning. There's so many processes happening in, in Lawrence right now from, from the strategic plan to economic development, strategic plan to, um, transit redesign. The downtown master plan hasn't, you know, the final, what it's going to be, hasn't come out yet. Uh, and so these are all opportunities to share voice about what um, is coming together for a plan for the community. Our office is going to be leading a climate adaptation planning process um, for Lawrence and Douglas County shortly. It is, it's, we're doing some, some background work or behind the scenes work to pull those communications and plans together. Um, but that's going to be a tremendous undertaking. But we definitely want to hear from the community about what their concerns um, for climate threats are and what adaptations could look like um, because some of the some of those threats are happening and going to happen. Um, so how can we adapt? And so that's, you know, if, if you want to get in, involved with um, decision-making in your community, there are things happening now and things coming up uh, to pay attention to because your voice will be really valuable. Yeah. And, and I think the, I think the, the 
biggest takeaway people haven't brought this out themselves or uh, in case people don't bring this out themselves is how incredibly uh, democratic this whole both of these endeavors are that the the necessity for input and participation and people speaking out and and, and in part that's uh, you know in part why I named Lawrence Talks Lawrence Talks is because for people because I envision it you know being a platform for people to to talk and 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 Lauren, I think people Lawrence naturally or at least to me appear to be uh willing to participate in a number uh, a number of, uh, of these in, uh, investments and, and pr- uh, priorities um, so I, I I'm, I've, I've always been encouraged by by how democratic and, and um, uh, sort of involved this community has tended to be um, so hopefully yeah this this is just another important thing uh, aspect of, of part- needing our participation and Kim as you mentioned uh, there are possibilities and opportunities to for people to give voice to uh, basically the future makeup of the city. Uh, and, and that's, and I'm sort of, over, uh, that seems overwhelming to me, right? That like, Oh, I, I have to, <laughs> I have, there's like, there, things are going to change um, or possibly change. And, and, uh, and so having a voice in that and, and, and uh, the future makeup of, of the city is going is, is important. So thank you both for joining me today. And, and I've really enjoyed this, this conversation. And it's one that um, unfortunately has to end right or end right now, but I think it's, it's important to keep having it outside of this, uh, this venue. So um, uh, thank you. Thank you again for uh, Cam and Marlon for, for joining me today. Yes. Thank you. It's been fun. We appreciate the opportunity to shine a little light on what it is we're up to. Thank you, David. 